Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. And today I am excited. This gentleman that is joining us has a pretty broad background, has opened offices all around the country for uh, for his engineering firm, and has even built a practice building program uh, curriculum. So I think we're going to dive into that uh, pretty deep. But welcome to the show, Mike Medock. Thanks, BJ. Happy to be here and uh, excited to have a conversation with you today. Excited to have you. Uh, and for the audience, poor Mike had a bike accident this past weekend and is dealing with COVID, but still was motivated enough to get on the show. So we're excited to have him. Um, Mike, uh, looking at your background, understanding kind of the, the career path that's led you here, talk to us about how you got started in the engineering industry. Well, I think as a, as a kid, I was always really fascinated with uh, construction. I remember growing up in Pittsburgh, uh, even as a young kid going by construction sites and watching that progress was always kind of fascinating to me. Um, so when I came time to go to college and, um, you know, pursue a degree, uh, civil engineering just seemed like the, the natural fit. And I guess the rest is history. So 30 plus <laughs> years later, I'm still doing it and still uh, enjoying it and love it. So one of the rare people on the show to have both PE and CPSM, when did you get involved with the uh, society for I know it's a certified professional services marketer Correct. society for society for marketing professional services. Is that yes, SMPS? Yeah. SMPS. Uh, when did, when did that happen in your career path? Uh, that actually happened really late. Uh, I think I've been in the CPSM now for, Oh, maybe the last uh, six years. Um, but as a, as I, you know, just, Kind of interesting uh, when I brought the subject up internally. It's like, why are you doing that? I said, well, I don't know what I don't know. Um, and it was a really good program. Um, there was a lot of things, especially on the marketing side, that I was, I guess, aware of but didn't really think much about that really kind of changed a lot of, uh, you know, some of the things that, that we do internally within our marketing department um, and help give me some different perspectives. Um you know, I got joined, I joined SMPS kind of by happenstance because I was at a, a, a open Indianapolis office. Uh, they had a regional conference here and someone suggested I attend and I just happened to win an, a, a one year membership to SMPS and been, you know, been on the board ever since. And, uh, it's been a fantastic organization. Um, and it's, you know, inspiring to see what a lot of other firms are doing, especially related to the marketing uh, side of things. And, I think it's really helped elevate our game internally uh, at SME. Um, and I encourage everybody to kind of go after it. And I will say having the PE and the CPSM, CPSM was a, was, was a real certification. The thing, the test had teeth to it and required as much study um, to obtain that, that I think you know, I did when I got my PE, obviously, you know, 30 years ago. So, I mean, to me, it screams technician and marketer, seller doer. Um, and, and I think that's how you built the, the practice building program inside of SME. Uh, right. But 
tell us a little bit about at what point in time did you realize you were a seller doer? I know uh, you have a bit of a background in environmental and, and redevelopment. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, well, I think initially I was kind of thrust into running an office at age 23 for a different firm. Um, and one of the first things that was said to me is I go out and get work. And this was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. All right, hold on. We're going to stop you there. For all of sure. our audience, 23 years old. I mean, what are you, 18 months out of college, a year out of college? Exactly, yes. Um, <laughs> and I, I find that the earlier we challenge people with big, hairy, audacious problems to deal with, the better off their career trajectory is. So I want to make that point because here you are, senior vice president at SME, uh, great career under your belt. Uh, and I'm sure that, that that had to have been a part of uh, starting the trajectory or at least the confidence to, to go out and sell. It did. Um, and you know, it was such a, I mean, I remember back those days, it was such a foreign concept to me, you know, I'd school to be an engineer and <laughs> now all of a sudden it's like, what do you mean sales? I mean, you know, I gotta do what? Um, but the, the interesting thing I learned, um, you know, when I, like I said, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, I'm out in Kalamazoo, Michigan, didn't know anybody, um, didn't have any friends, um, but I soon became pretty good friends with a lot of accountants and attorneys for, for some reason or not. And we were all kind of working for the same clients. And, you know, I'm lamenting at the fact that at the time I can't get, you know, $80 an hour for a professional engineer, you know, clients won't pay it. And we're working for the same people that are gladly paying my buddies, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars an hour at the time. And so it kind of really set me on this path of trying to understand what the differences were. Um, those guys aren't any smarter than we are. Um, I'll argue till the day I die, the work that they do is not anywhere near as important as what we do. Um, you know, when we make mistakes, you know, it makes the national news. Um, and fortunately, we don't make a lot of mistakes, but uh, it does happen. And so I really wanted to kind of understand the differences. I quickly realized that the professional services firms outside the AEC world were really positioning their young team members or, or staff um, to really develop those relationships with the, you know, lack of a better term, the movers and shakers in the business community. And we weren't doing that. And so I started a, um, you know, fast forward a few years later, I was going through the um, fun, fundamentals of professional practice with, which was at the time ASFE, uh, now it's GBA. Um, so I did uh, ASFE and GBA for our audience. Uh, ASE is ASFE is the American Society for Foundation Engineers. They've since changed their name to GBA, which is I should know this Geo Professional Business Associates or Association or something like that. But it's basically all the geotechnical environmental consulting firms in the country, um, at least the, the very good ones. Um, so I, what I what I did, BJ, is I went out and I interviewed every law firm I could, every accounting firm I could, and 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 a bunch of uh, us in the AEC world. And I found that um, you know the expectations that those other professionals put on their you know let's say their entry level team members from day one was completely different um, than what we were doing in the AEC world at the time. And so that's kind of what really kind of set me down that path of uh, well, can't we, you know, as an industry position ourselves and learn from what they're doing, um, you know, to kind of help try to elevate our profession. And that's, 
was kind of the premise of our build a practice program and how it got started. Um, and, you know, it's been about 15 years now or so. Um, and it has really helped us internally um, kind of really spend more time focusing on the clients, understanding what their needs are, uh, having more people out into the business community um, and being seen as, you know, the guy, the go-to person. So, so I want to go into the curriculum of that, but before we go there, because you're involved in redevelopment and I assume a lot of your clients are real estate developers and those developers hire engineers, they hire attorneys, they hire accountants, people putting together LLCs and creative financial structures and all this. I mean, talk to me about, you said what we do is more complex what we do is higher risk, um, and and yet the trend still is that an attorney getting paid now seven, eight, nine hundred dollars an hour is not unheard of, and I don't know many engineering firms getting that that cost structure. So, any other analysis that you've come? I mean, outside of the fact that they put their their youth out there in the marketplace and and make them you know, rub elbows with the movers and shakers and, and they put kind of the business side of the of the role on them at our own age. Anything else that you've kind of observed in your assessment? No, I just think they understand the value of relationships probably a little bit better. Um, they focus more on, you know, the overall needs of a client versus a project where, you know, I think in our industry, we tend to um, focus on what they have going on at the time and not looking at what, you know, their future needs are going to be um, and how they can, and how they can, you know, how we can help them with those. So it's, it's more of a basic uh, or a better understanding of what business they're playing in and what their challenges are, where we tend to focus on what the problem is at hand and how we solve that problem. Then we move on. Um, and we, we wait for the next, next time for them to call. So it's more of a, a over encompassing, they do a better, other professionals do a better job of trying to understand the, you know, the complete business world that they're living in and what we can help you with this and help you with that, um, and become that more of a trusted advisor where we tend to, you know, in our industry have, I guess, looked at, you know, solving the problem at hand and not looking to the future of what, what those how we can help them in other ways. I, I think that's a great lesson to point out to our audience. Um, and I think the best people in the industry are, are building those long-term relationships and, and figuring out how do you, how do you become the right hand man advisor to, to the client, whether it's public or private. Um, I, I just, I, you know, I, I used to think about this problem a lot. Um, and I've seen, you know, on large public infrastructure projects, as an example, and it's it's similar to a real estate development project, is the people that get paid at, out of the deal, so to speak, at the closing table. The checks are a lot bigger than the scope of work checks that are that are time and material based. You know, yeah. and I think it's like, oh well, it, when it gets when it gets cooked into the deal, it it doesn't. Nobody feels the pain of like writing that check because ah, it's just transactional cost. As opposed to what you need sixty thousand dollars to do an environmental study or whatever, yeah. Uh, so it, it's an interesting, interesting uh, topic to ponder on. But 
I really want to. So I, I want to jump to, uh, you know, you've you've done practice building. Talk to us about how many how many different offices you've opened. Um, well, after I left the firm, after I learned a lot of lessons in, in three years at age twenty three, I went and I started a me and another per, uh, one of my co-workers uh, started an office uh, for an environmental consulting firm in Kalamazoo. I was there for two years. Um, was not happy with the what I saw as the they were very, very good at certain things and they weren't very diversified. And we were playing a lot in the uh, state reimbursement funds for underground storage tanks at the time. And while that was fantastic, I was concerned about the longevity of you know that business model. So I left and Went to SME. I started environmental service services for them in Kalamazoo. Um, then went to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and opened an office uh, in Grand Rapids. Was there for I don't know, maybe eight or nine years. Uh, then went to Indianapolis, uh, opened an office for SME in Indianapolis, and recently went over and opened an office in Columbus. And I think that's about it. So. Keep, yeah, keep making my head against the wall thinking it's going to be different. This time's going to be different. But it's going to be easier. Easier. It's never easier. It's never easier. So, um, so with that as the as the starting point or the launch off point, uh, and, and Mike has not heard this from me. So audience, you're hearing it for the first time with Mike. Inside of MCFA, we've been trying to build out MCFA University. MCFA 201 is really kind of our exposure to the business world, exposure to our company, uh, exposure to how we look at problems and, and maybe tactics, techniques, and procedures for project management, project leadership. We're also building 301 and 401 in the background, and that is all about practice building. And I have a belief that with the right culture, the right leadership, and the right platform combined with the right candidates, that's really how we grow a company. And because I'm so passionate about um, transitioning military veterans and helping them find their next mission and their next meaning in their next job, uh, I really think that it's all about exposing them to the AEC world and the practice building principles and almost create the franchise model or the practice building model that allows them to take what they're technically passionate about and technically capable in with a, you know, there's a book, Jack Stack, great game of business mantra or model to go out there and, and build. And whether that's a different service offering or a different geographic base or a different client base to take what we have and, and multiply it. So Mike doesn't know that I'm thinking about this, but we're, uh, we're about to go a deep dive into uh, the, the curriculum behind building a practice and, and teaching seller doership. Okay. <laughs> What would you like to know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd like to know where you, uh, you know, I I assume that it was your practice building experience that said we can, we can teach people to do this. Yeah. um, Mark Kramer, our president. uh, Great last name. Great last name. Yep. Um, But he uh, he gave me a call one time and it was all kind of related to that, that research I did through the FOP program. Um, And said, you know, Hey, can you develop a program here at SME to, to you know, teach people to be, become seller doers? We've always kind of been the seller doer model uh, at SME since we were founded. Um, but we kind of wanted to take that to the next level. Uh, so I got some of the smartest people I could find at SME, put them in a room, and we started uh, spitballing and you know, kind of came up with a program that has been pretty successful. We, you know, we're continuing to tweak it all the time. 
Um, but it's really kind of a, a pretty immersive uh, a 12 to 18 month program um, where we, I mean, the, the crux of it, BJ, is, is really kind of a mentoring program. Uh, so we'll run, um, you know, we'll have a coach uh, with uh, four protégés. Um, and sometimes we, we've done assistant coaches as well uh, through some of our variations. Um, but we have them meet one on one individually. Um, we then they, they meet together as a group, one on four. Then quarterly, we have big events where we bring the entire program together under one roof, and that's where we get into some of the training. But the heavy lifting of the program is really in those one-on-four meetings, um, you know, where we're, you know, we get into the head trash, we get into, um, you know, we have them all do a uh, a kind of a, a pre-assessment of themselves and what they're you know, where they're at in their you know, building a practice career, uh, so to speak. Uh, so we start with that with that with that. You know, pre-survey, and from there we start developing, you know, kind of one-on-one lessons and what you know, everyone's going to be in a different spot. So we try to tailor it and make it as, uh, you know, as one-on-one and, and individualized as possible while we're still covering the same, you know, the same content, the same, you know, we're still reading the same books, we're still having the same discussions, and we're still providing the same training, but there has to be some kind of one-on-one time to really dig deep into what's holding you back. How do you manage your time? Um, you know, everybody's busy. You know, how do you prioritize? Uh, so we spend quite a bit of time even selling it to the participants of like, this is the best opportunity we can give you to really take control of your career. Um, work for the clients you want to work with that, that you like, and they like you and they respect what you're doing. Um, going to pay you what you want it, what you should be getting paid. Um, and work on it. More importantly, work on the type of projects that are your passion. You know, you're not sitting there taking something from a senior project manager or another principal of the firm. Here, go do this. But let us help you go out and, and develop the work that you want to do uh, with the people that you want to do it with. And then you ultimately, you know, have taken complete control of your career. So it sounds so easy. Oh, it's simple. Yeah, not a problem. How? how well, <laughs> I have so many questions around this. Um, first of all, the coach I imagine is not a manager of those four people. That is correct. And they are usually people who have gone through the program themselves uh, one time as a participant. And then how early in a career at SME can somebody, I guess, apply or do they just raise their hand and volunteer to be a part of the program? Um, we're changing that up a little bit. Uh, initially it was, we would ask our group leaders, our technical service group leaders and their team leaders to nominate people. And then we, you know, they were kind of like pushed into the program, so to speak. Um, we're simply moving, we're, we're moving away from that where we're asking, and we've been running the program long enough that people kind of know what it's about. Um, we're asking for people to self nominate and then getting approval from the group leaders and, and team leaders. So, you know, are they meeting the basic technical tenets of their job? Are they, you know, if they're, if they're performing well at the technical level and they're ready to go to the next, the next level with more client interaction, more build a practice kind of activities, then we'll bring them into the group. But we usually have a waiting list. We usually have a waiting list. that's as long as the, the, as the class size, which is always about 20. That's great. Um, and you only do it once every 12 to 18 months. Yeah, we only run one one program at a time. Uh, it's uh, at times it becomes a full time job. Uh, just I'm sure. It. So it uh, 
you know, so we're all wearing a bunch of different hats. And, um, you know, we've run the group as we've run smaller groups. Um, the ROI is not, you know, we're still, pay, we're still spending the same amount of money and, you know, same amount of coaches and the same amount of time. Um, so the ROI doesn't, isn't quite there. And we've gone as high as 30, but internally it's just too much for us to manage. So. And how, how big is SME? Uh, we're about uh, 360. Okay. So talk to us about results that you've gotten from this program. Uh, it's been pretty remarkable. I mean, we, you know, I wish I had my dad up in front of me, but I tend to look at, you know, how we are, look, you know, how we compare in the ENR top 500 ranking. And, you know, I think um, I, I'm going to throw some numbers out. I, historically, prior to the program, we were always in that, you know, 450 range. Um, I think now we're basically, wish I had it in front of me. I think we're 190. So wow. we've, jumped, we've jumped a lot of firms. Um, and, you know, that, you know, our sales are double uh, where we were before we started the program. That's, you know, that's more probably related to the economy and some other things than I look at how we are, how we are faring against our competition and others in, in our space. And, uh, you know, that kind of, at least in my mind, takes some of the economics out of it. And clearly we're, you know, we've, we've been able to move up and we continue to move up every year. Um, the level of activity we have from our, you know, from our, from our people has increased tremendously. You know, we, we have, you know, we've got a, a young lady who's, you know, president of, of an AWIC chapter who's, you know, 25, 26 years old, hasn't even been through a program yet, but it's kind of filtered into our culture. This is important. And this is, you know, this is how we, again, get the type of clients we want to have and do the type of projects we want to do. Has anybody spun off their own practice through this program? Oh, yeah. Um, or yeah, or we, not, not their own practice, their own company? Um, not, not so much, no. no we, okay. We tend to... <laughs> I'm knocking on wood here. <laughs> well, Especially... <laughs> I, I want to go there because because I think that's the fear of a lot of companies and a lot of cultures and a lot of organizations is if if we give them all the tools, they're not going to need us. So talk to us about that. Great question. Um, you know, I think if you have the if you have the right culture um, and you're providing a path for your people, um, you know, a career path. And they are getting that internal recognition. Um, you know, in essence, they're they're kind of already running their own thing. Uh, well, you know, why do it? And then all of, that, all of a sudden, have to start worrying about you know payroll and AR and and all the things that you know we tend to take for granted. You know, in our quote unquote overhead of of our yeah. firms that, that handle a lot of things that, quite frankly, we don't want to handle. Um, now, yes, we've had people leave and, and have gone on and done great things um, at other firms, but not that often. Um, yeah. You know, most of the, most people that have been through the program and have have left SME have been more for you know personal geographic reasons. You know, their, their wife gets transferred, their husband gets transferred, or a significant other to a different part of the country, and you know they're they're gone. You know, they're down in Carolinas or somewhere else, but. We haven't had um, anyone kind of go out and become a you know, direct competitor of ours or create any kind of problems. Uh, and and I want to alleviate anybody's fear out there that like you know that shouldn't be what we're concerned about. And and I, I actually encourage it. If somebody wanted to have an entrepreneurial spirit inside of our company, 
and want it to break off. And, you know, the risk reward matrix changes completely to your point, right? You, you now are responsible for overhead if you do it. Uh, there's a Zig Ziglar quote, and I have it in the front of our training manual. And it says, the only thing worse than training employees and losing them is to not train them and keep them. Keep them. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you can't be. You should be more afraid of not training them because they're not going to be getting any better. Um, and I, I think it's. I think that's. You know, we we talk about in professional services, our people, are, our people are our brand. Our people are our greatest asset. But we don't. We we don't as an as a industry. Uh, always prioritize training them uh, because you know productivity and billable hours and client needs and da 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 da. da. Um, so I, I think it's awesome. You talked about some books are mandatory in the class, so I'd, I'd be curious, or or are part of the curriculum. I'd be curious if any titles stand out to you before we get into some rapid fire questions. Absolutely, I absolutely love the Go Giver series. Oh, uh, great, by great series, Bob, Bob Berg and. Uh, David Mann. Um, I usually, you know, we just recently added that, um, and I love it right from the right from the get go because it changes the whole perspective of why you're doing what you're doing. You know, it's not about you; it's about helping other people, and that has gone over very well. Uh, we use a book called Rainmaking uh, for Professionals by Mark Mariera. He is a uh, was a practicing attorney, but I find that book very relevant. Uh, Relative, we use, um, um, let's see what else we use. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, selling professional sale, uh, services the Sandler way, which is uh, you know, out of yeah, the Sandler course. sales system. Uh, we were using cross-selling by Ford Harding, but that's no longer in print, so we're looking to change that. Probably going to add Jim Rogers' new book, uh, Becoming a Seller-Doer. Um and uh, Jim, you know, that's all written um, for, you know, for the AEC industry. Um, you know, if you spend any time uh, on a, at any kind of national convention, you'll probably recognize half the people that are interviewed for, as part of that book. So it's, I find yeah. that very interesting and kind of reaffirming uh, to um, you know, people going through the class. Like, it's not just, this is just not Mike Medock and SME saying this. It's like, you know, here's what a lot of the other leading in firms in the industry are doing and, and what they're saying. So kind of reaffirm some things. Um, and, you know, for those people who, you know, look at the go-giver and say, well, it's just a silly story. Uh, I throw uh, Adam Grant's give and take in there. It's kind of more of the science behind, you know, go-giver is, is a fable and Adam Grant's book kind of digs more deeply into, uh, you know, the psychology behind, you know, being a go-giver. Yeah. Reciprocity basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you, do you have a favorite class that's part of the curriculum? You, you touched on head trash and we could go there or we could go somewhere else. Well, we, we have, a, we have a few rules uh, as part of the program. Uh, the first one is like, uh, you must come prepared um, in, in the program. You treat every, Every uh, interaction when you're in the room as a, as a large group is if you're meeting a client for the first time. So how you dress, how you act, uh, how you interact. Um, and it never fails. Someone someone shows up not dressed what I would consider appropriately. Um, but we call them out. Um, you know, we set the tone. Um, and when I, when I say honest and brutal feedback, it's probably 
more brutal than anything. Um, think of American, you know, American Idol. You know, it's like, <laughs> but part of that is we want them to understand um, that you must be prepared. You know, whether you're going to a networking event or you're meeting you're meeting a client for the first time, there's some things you have to do and you, you need to do to be effective, and so you're not wasting their time. So we start in that program, uh, you know, in our program of just kind of setting some real clear expectations of what you're going to do. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. Um, but you're in, when you're in my room, you better be in my room. Don't you dare touch the cell phone because I'm going to call you out. Um, but most of the time we spend, um, and, you know, when we touch, uh, you know, how to use a CRM, there's a lot of basic stuff we go through, but it's more just um, getting the, getting everybody comfortable in speaking in front of groups. And so we spend a lot of time with public speaking, with assignments. And every time they're done, you know, we give them the brutal and honest feedback. You know, I've, we had a guy, you know, in a simple elevator speech, froze. I mean, and we left him up there for minutes while I stared at the ceiling. We weren't going to rescue him because he had, you know, but I will tell you by the end of the, by the end of the year, um, it's remarkable the, the change you see in how they can present, how they, present themselves, how they prepare. Um, you can take, you know, I always say, you know, we're not trying to take everybody and make them into a super business development salesperson. Our goal is to just make everybody, you know, 10 or 25% more effective. Um, and we get far more than that, in my opinion. Uh, but it, a lot of it is just getting them out of the shell and, and getting used to having, being able to speak to people they don't know, um, develop some relationships, following up, and getting more comfortable in their own, you know, engineer skin. You know, try to get, try to stop them from staring at our shoes. What we're trying to do. <laughs> we love doing that. So. Inspiring people in places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified, service disabled, veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. All right. Well, moving, moving into some uh, kind of broad questions, what are you involved in outside of the professional uh, sphere? Um, I spend a lot of time on my bike. Um, every, every second I can. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge cyclist. Um, you know, and it's interesting, you know, I've kind of built a community of cyclists that, again, you know, it all kind of ever goes back to the business and, and networking. Um, so I do try to spend as much time outdoors as I can, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, primarily these days, it's, it's, it's just cycling. I used to run a lot, but um, try to carve an hour, an hour and a half of time a day just to go out and, and do That's it. Great. And, and relax and think and think about work and think about other things. And do uh, you compete? No, no, just the long distance stuff. And that's great. Just the joy of being outside. Yeah. Meditative. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, favorite quote. Favorite quotes. Um, you want the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> Back to my bell of practice. I put it on the slide. Um, you know, it's, it's one of my, one of my favorites. Um, you know, just deal with people honestly and, and, uh, and be up front with them and, and that people will improve. I, 
I have to go into that because I think, you know, we talk about leadership a lot and project leadership and um, there's a lot of truth to that statement that you can't handle the truth. Uh, and, and uh, for a lot of people, they don't want, they don't want to hear what they may or may not be self-aware enough to know. They don't want to hear it from somebody else. Uh, but over time, when that becomes part of culture, and it's like, oh, this person cares about me. That's why they're telling me this, not because they're criticizing me, but they're trying to help me improve. And, you know, I, I don't know at what point in time it clicks, and it's probably at a different time for everybody. But um, that delivery, how you deliver it, how you nurture and coach and mentor uh, versus just create accountability around behavior. It's, it's an interesting leadership dynamic. Well, I, I know in our group when you know, we're running the program as we get towards the end, I know I, I know we've arrived when they start when they start giving me the, the truth. <laughs> I'm like, Did you really prepare for that? It's like, oh, good point. You know, you know I mean, throwaway words you just used. Yeah, I know. Um, but again, it, it, I think that's how we all improve is just having those open and honest conversations of like, did you really prepare? You know, could you have been more prepared? You know, what would you have done differently? Um, really helps everybody just become better. Yeah, agree. All right. You gave me some books in the program. Is there any book that stands out to you as a must read book? Um, yeah, I'd say the, the, the Mark Marriera, uh, book is, is really relevant. Um, you know, I mentioned the Jim Rogers book. I, you know, that's just came out. Um, I, I do like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I'll go back to the Go-Giver. The, you know, the whole series is just, you know, I think it's transformative for engineers who are used to, you know, we're very linear in how we think. You know, we solve problems the same. We all were taught the same way in how we solve things. Um, but to kind of be able to look at the big picture and realize that there's a lot more going on out there that, you know, remove the blinders, look around, you know. Have, have, have some conversations. Talk to the guy next to the bar. Sit in the bar having a beer. You know, strike up a conversation with him, and uh, you'll be surprised where things go. So. Yeah. Uh, dead or alive, if you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be and what would you do? Uh, Sounds like you're going biking with them. Yeah. Uh, like like that, like to uh, you know, try to keep up with Lance Armstrong for a quarter <laughs> of a mile. Um, boy, um, I was a huge fan of our our uh our our founder of the firm ken kramer uh mark's dad um would like to have another be great to have another day with him because he was one of the most brilliant people i i have met um you know uh i think the reason that he was really close i i felt so close to him because he was a lot like my father who you know fortunately is still here so i'll throw him on that list too because he was a kind of a high performer in a whole different realm of, um, you know, what he did was, you know, when he, what he did, what he did was he was the best at it ever. Um, and, you know, so I think a lot of what I learned was I learned from him and third person that would be interesting. I'd go someone somewhere from history. Uh, you know, maybe Patton. <laughs> oh, I like it. Uh, so I have to ask because you, you touched on them both. What did your father do? Uh, my father was a was, was a high school uh, junior high um, uh, phys ed teacher, but he was a gymnastics coach, uh, high school gymnastics coach, and he had a 
his lifetime career record was like 186 and one. And wow. The only time he lost is when he had to take his JV team to the, <laughs> because his, his other team had the flu. Um, and still to this day, conv- he's convinced that you know, it was rigged to get, he only lost by a tenth of a point, but uh, won every state championship in Pennsylvania. Every one of his, his graduate, and we came from a fairly, you know, not a very well off steel mill town. Um, but every one of his graduating high school seniors got a college scholarship. Wow. Uh, so, and he did it for about all 20, 15 years, but he was, he, he, he won by working harder than everybody else. I mean, you know, he worked as, he worked as a gymnast and, and, you know, they train seven days a week and um, he just basically, you know, here's a success. If you work hard, you know, and you work harder than the guy next to you, you're going to win. And that's what he taught me. That's uh pretty phenomenal results. Uh, what did, what was Ken Kramer's uh, calling card, if you will? Well, I mean, he was our founder. Um he immensely fair person um, and how he treated his people. Um, you know, in the days, now we're in the days of more transparency, transparency and in, in business and sharing more. Um, he didn't, you know, he was more of the old school, but he would be, he was always adamant of like, don't worry about the numbers. And you know, at the time I was running Grand Rapids and, you know, getting in trouble for tracking utilization and things like that, that, you know, KFIs is like, that's my job. He says, you worry about taking care of the clients. Uh, and if you take care of the clients, the numbers will take care of yourself. But he was how he treated people. Um, and the things he kind of did behind the scenes that no one ever knew about was just, it was just remarkable. You know, I had a, an admin person that loved it. She loved to play golf. She's a single mom. And, you know, why aren't you playing in the SME golf hour? I'm like, well, it's kind of expensive. He goes, I'll cover you. And every year after that, it was just, you know, he just did it. I mean, she went every year and it was, but he's never spoken. I mean, you know, he never spoke about it and she never spoke about it. And it's just, that's kind of the things he did. It was like the little things that make the difference. Yeah. And um, he was just a great leader. Um, and, you know, he, uh, you know, his son, Mark, you know, it's kind of a kind of a different, different style. Um, you know, you could argue maybe more effective. Um, you know, we've grown a lot under Mark. Uh, but, you know, Ken was that basis of, you know, he instilled the culture of SME, um, you know, from the start, and that has continued on to this day. Sounds like an impressive man. I wish we could uh, interview him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if he, I don't know if he'd go for an hour. This, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm assuming. Who else uh, in the industry inspires you? Oh, oh, there's a there's a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people I've met through SMPS. Um, you know, I mean, just probably way too many to even, you know, list out here, but people get up every day and just go out and just try to make things better for their firms. Um, you know, there's quite a few people here that, within SME that have been inspiration, you know, Tim Mitchell, good friend of mine, also a good biker. Um, you know, he, he has spent a lot of time on the people side, so I've learned a lot from him. On you know, trying to you know, assume good, assume good intent and and uh, you know, try to look think, look at things from the others you know from the other person's perspective has been helpful in my career. Um, you know, a lot of people on the business development side. Steve Osborne at C Solutions in Indianapolis, remarkable guy. Uh, you know, founded a firm. Um, in fact, he just uh, 
recently just uh, sold it, but still there. Um, but he's taught me a lot on, on relationships and the, the schedule he keeps is just unreal. Um, but he's kind of the guy, you know, a go-to guy that I respect immensely. Um, legacy. What do you want to be remembered for? Um, that's a good point. That's a good question. Um, hopefully that, you know, so, some of the things that we did while I'm probably, I will admit, probably not the easiest guy to get along with all the time, but I, <laughs> at the end of the day, um, you know, I did things to help people help them get better and uh, help make them more successful. And, you know, whether that's uh, here at SME or, or other places that, you know, I've always been there to kind of help and help people be succeed in whatever their, you know, whatever their current pursuit is. It's great. You probably got a lot from your, uh, your father, that phys ed teacher. I bet he wasn't uh, as, as a gymnastics coach, I bet he wasn't taking any shit. Uh, he was not. And I will tell you that, you have not lived as a you have not lived a life until you, um, you're a junior you're in junior high you're in seventh grade and your dad is teaching all your friends about sex ed. I mean, <laughs> so we um, have that in common. I, I was I was in my my mom was our sex ed teacher in, in yeah. a, a Catholic, so grade, teacher, a Catholic grade school. I know it's horrible. I, mean, I, I think I think that. May that you know, in addition to uh, responsibility at an early professional age, is uh, I don't know what the humi- uh, no, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, embarrassment uh, in in uh, early grade school age. <laughs> Sex ed with your parents. Yeah. I can believe what your your old man told me today. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear about it. Huh. Mike, it's been great having you. Uh, I know you're a Pittsburgh Steelers guy, but in the words of Andy Reid, the time's yours. Anything you'd like to close us out with? No, I just uh, appreciate it. Um, you know, if any listeners uh, want to uh, learn more about our program, uh, please reach out. I'm always happy to share um, and, you know, happy to kind of point people in the right direction. I I share for one reason only because I, you know, I, I have a saying, I'd rather compete with everybody on relationships than anyone on price. So I, I like that. Those are our, those are our options in this, in this world. So let's um, get, our, uh, let's get the engineering industry up to those 600, $700 an hour uh, rates. That's right. We'll all be much happier. So Amen. All right. Well, thanks Mike. It's been great having you. Absolutely. had a great time and uh, look forward to uh, talking to you again soon. Hey everybody. If you enjoy this show, do us a favor and subscribe to inspiring people and places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants. Be sure to check out our website, www.mcfaglobal.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch. Until next time, have a great week and a great weekend.